Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. SideQuest. So, we didn't get a regular wedding cake. We decided on something that was special for us instead. I love you, honeybee. So this is the famous family cottage. Do you like it? Here's what I see. The woods. A lake. No one around. B? This isn't funny. B? Please! B! Are you okay? I couldn't find you. I'm fine. How's my little zombie face this morning? I made a coffee. What's going on with you? You feel distant, different. Did something happen in the woods? What's this? They're mosquito bites. They don't look like bug bites. You're acting crazy. You should leave. You're not safe. What's going on? We need to leave. You can't. Where did you put the keys? Where are the keys? Who's out there? We shine in the light. I want to protect you. Where is my wife? You look like her, but you're not her. Something bad happened to me. Something bad happened to me in the woods. I think cinephiles are, are on this other end of the spectrum. But I think a cinephile is more of a student of cinema. A movie lover is going to be less discriminated. Sidequest. Doing some of this, Michael. Be one of us. Sometimes, that is better. I'm sick for fuck's sake. seen one too many movies. Don't you blame the movie! Sidequest. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Okay. Show me. SideQuest. The podcast. You opened it. We came. It's just a podcast. We'll review your movie from every angle. SideQuest. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number eight of side quest podcast where i am one half of your hosting team here of david garrett jr from journey with a cinephile a horror movie podcast and as always i am being joined by my co-host this is your man man jake from dark mariachi studios and i'm here on behalf of guitar case full of reviews podcast perfect yep and then I know we had a little bit of a break there. The holidays were a little bit busy for, I believe, both of us from kind of everything we were talking about. And we've also kind of had some, actually on my co-host side here, we've had some, you know, weather issues that we kind of wanted to make sure were in the past before we, you know, decided to jump on and do something here. Yeah, things got kind of crazy here. Uh, I'm, I'm here in Texas, and we experienced below 10 degrees, snowstorm, blizzard conditions. <laughs> Everything was frozen. We lost power. For A lot of people lost power. Some people I've heard still don't have power or water. Yeah, there was issues with water, too, where uh, people's water uh, pipes and lines were busting. So a lot of people didn't have water either. So it was kind of scary because it's not something we deal with in Texas a lot. It's usually right. 
30 degrees and that's that's your winter. No snow, just 30 degrees. So, but in February, it always happens in February when we do it, if we do have something crazy happen, which is kind of weird. So. Well, it's interesting actually that you brought that up because um, me and my fiance were just talking recently how uh, growing up, I always remember like winters for here because I'm originally from Michigan and now I currently live in Columbus, Ohio, where for us, I feel like growing up, we might get a little bit of snow in November. That was very rare, but I feel like our winters were usually like the harshest in like late December, like around Christmas time and then into January. But now as an adult, I've noticed more and more that our winters up here have gotten much harsher in February. And we get a little bit like a week or so into March for us where they're bad. So it is kind of interesting, like what you just brought up there, how your guys's is more harsh there. And that's what it seems like. It's kind of trending towards now as well. Yeah, it's so weird because I can remember 60-degree Christmases right. that we've had. I can remember, but always in February, usually it just gets really cold. Okay. But every once in a while, it's, it's usually the ice is the problem here. Yeah. The snow usually isn't, but when we get too much ice on the roads, because we had a large accident that actually happened here. Okay. Um, where over 100 cars oh, got in a wreck, and a lot of people uh, actually lost their lives. It was kind of sad. Yeah. But after that happened, a lot of jobs were saying, okay, don't come to work. Usually they try to make you go. <laughs> but after that happened, because it was a big story here locally. So after that happened, like a lot of people were like, no, nah, don't go to work if you don't have to. Which usually isn't what they say here. Right, that is true. Yeah, that's, um. I'm with you though, is because we were talking in our pregame about it is, the snow doesn't really bother me unless you get a ton of it. The problem that we run into is, going along with what you were saying is, that we'll get snow it'll warm up enough during the day, it'll melt that top layer, and then it'll have a temperature drop when it gets dark out. That'll ice over, and then unless they're putting salt down, these, like, trucks that come through and scrape sometimes act like a Zamboni and just, you know, kind of just flatten it out, which that's where ice becomes, you know, a problem is that if there's any sort of ridges, you can use that for traction. But when they smooth it over like that, that's where you start to have the major issues from it. Yeah, for real, man, because that's, that's when you start sliding around, really, when it's just smooth ice like that. And the biggest problem we have here also is the is that we have a lot of dark spots. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes you can't even see that there's ice there until you've already <laughs> started swerving, swerving a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that's dangerous, man, for real. And it's also probably not the greatest when, as we were kind of saying here, is that you guys don't normally get, like, this amount of, like, snow and ice. So, like... Not everybody's experienced driving. I mean, heck, here in Columbus, I notice people that aren't experienced in driving in it because I can just see them. They're ones that are either going way too slow, which become dangerous, or they're the people that are, you know, doing like 55 when the conditions probably say you should be going like 40. And so, like, Mm -hmm. you know, either ends of the spectrum there create problems. Yeah, we and we had that issue here because nobody, most people don't know how to drive in it. So they do those exact two things. And then that just causes either everybody to try to go around, and yep. that may cause some issues. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, for sure. So we don't want it. I'm glad it's over. Like I said, it's we were below ten degrees most of the week, <laughs> and now we've gotten to Saturday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and yesterday it was like fifties, and today it's seventies. Yeah. So that's Texas in a nutshell for you. I mean, I'm with you. That we we run into that quite a bit. Not necessarily that much of a drastic change, but I've definitely had quite a few days that I can't even count anymore where it'll start off, you know, being below freezing. And the next thing you know, we're up in the 60s and that same exact day where I've wore a coat to work (laughs) and I'm driving home and I've got my windows down. So, (laughs) yeah, really. (laughs) 
Yeah, we have that all the time here, man. So, yeah, I'm with you. You never know really if you're going to need your jacket later or not. Well, I'm definitely glad to hear, though, that, you know, everything has kind of turned around, at least for yourself. I mean, I'm hoping everybody else that, you know, if you're listening to this and you're still kind of dealing with stuff, that hopefully this all gets kind of gets rectified because, I mean, none of the stuff that's happening there is fun. And, you know, things like this that are changing your daily life and it's, you know, that kind of rough is hopefully everything kind of gets sorted out here as soon as they can. Yeah. And I mean, the roads are packed, so it's a lot of people that now are able to get out and and get around. So I'm sure all the stores were packed and they've been packed, but... Now that everything's back officially open, it's it's going to get crazy now. Okay. All right. Well, the movie that uh, we end up doing here is we were trying to figure out something that I, I kind of like to f- select these movies that neither one of us have, if at least have never seen. I know like this one, for me, we'll kind of get into it here in a minute, is that I had heard about this movie, didn't really know anything about it, but the only reason I had, had heard about it is one of the stars but the movie that we selected, I actually found by typing into Google um, Valentine's Day movies just because that holiday has just passed. We're in February. Thought it'd be kind of a cool thing to kind of, you know, keep with the season and everything. But the movie that was selected is Honeymoon from 2014. So before I kind of give any sort of like my notes and before you give any of yours, had you ever heard of this movie coming in? Uh, no, it's not something I had really seen before. I think we're going to be on a different something different in here in a little bit because I, I got on this uh Amazon you know they have like those different movie channels yep. and they had a app they had a channel that has all the movies you always tell me about that I've never seen so I'm catching up on some of them so <laughs> they, I may surprise you in the future here and I may know exactly about the movie you're talking about but no this time no I didn't okay. have any idea what this was about all right, so we're, yeah, we're kind of definitely here in the same boat. So I'll go ahead and kind of introduce the movie, and then we can start getting into you know a little bit more of some of the details before we actually jump into the movie. But this one is from 2014. It is directed as well as co-written by a, I believe it's Lee Janik. And then she co-wrote this with Phil Grazia D. And then it stars Rose Leslie, Harry Treadaway, Ben Huber, and Hannah Brown. Now, this movie has a lot of genres that are attached, as it's a drama, fantasy, horror, mystery, romance, sci-fi, thriller. Not many of them that they're missing there. And <laughs> and this is a... It's from the United States, is the country of origin. And it is sitting on a 5.7 on the Internet Movie Database and a 3.1 on Letterboxd. So what I'll go ahead and do, though, is if you want to kind of share some of your notes and then we can kind of go back and forth as, you know, if we have anything that we kind of want to, you know, share with some of the things that you have. Okay. Uh, Okay. Well, I'll talk about just a couple of things from because I saw a couple of interviews with her. Okay. Um, So she talked about a lot of things Mm -hmm. that I thought were interesting. One thing that I thought was really interesting is that she has a boyfriend that's a director, and then I realized now that I didn't look up who he was. <laughs> so sorry about that, everybody. But just look up her name and her look up her boyfriend. But he's a director, and before, this was her first movie, so before she shot the movie, she actually got to be on set with him while he was shooting his movie. So that's how she learned pretty much everything she needed to know to direct this movie. Oh. Which I thought that was kind of cool that she would have a significant other that's doing the same kind of thing, and it could ha- actually walk her through the process on a, on a bigger scale. Because she said she was uh, in on independent stuff, but she hadn't really, I mean, lower like student stuff, student stuff, not independent. 
So she hadn't even made an independent film. So him making a, cause she I think she said Warner Brothers. So I I gotta look it up. I'll look it up, guys, and I'll I'll get that information, who he was and what the movie was. But I just thought that was interesting. Well, um, actually, to have to have somebody like that. Well, I was gonna say is I actually just to kind of help you out was kind of curious. So I was looking it up while you were talking just to kind of see and. It is actually interesting is she is married to Ross Duffer, which the name, if you don't know, is he is one of the Duffer brothers who is behind Stranger Things. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. No, I didn't know that. Okay. So makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Well, that's really, that's a really cool connection that she would have him as her significant other, really. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for sure, because like, it looks like he has um, written, it looks like only 11 episodes of Stranger Things, and he's directed, it looks like, 16 of the episodes. Oh, wow. But I mean, it. I'm a, and he also looks like he was involved with Wayward Pines as well, so it does kind of mm-hmm. look like that, you know, him and his brother do a lot of it, but they're definitely the creative force that is behind that show. Wow, so that that is really cool to know. See, okay, so thank you for that. Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know who he was, and now we know who he is. But um, yeah, that but that's a good person to lean on if you're gonna make a horror movie as your debut film. Oh, for sure. So yeah, so that makes even that that makes even more sense. Some of the stuff I was, she never said his name in the interview either. So <laughs> I don't know if she was keeping some things close to the vest or because she seemed really. Like, she had never been interviewed the way she was... She seemed really enthusiastic, okay. but kind of, like, not really measured. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, I, so I felt like she was just happy to be interviewed, but eh. it felt like she was kind of not giving a lot of information. But, okay. So, let's talk about the, the actual place where they shot it at. It was in North Carolina, okay. actually. And she said that the reason why she wanted to use that location is because her family actually had a cottage-type place like that in Canada. Okay. Off of a lake. So, and she always thought it was creepy. So she wanted that to be the setting. And budget-wise, that was like really a really cheap way to go. Yeah. To keep it, you know, kind of in a small place like that. So yeah, you see, that was something she you talked. see that a lot where they will, um, I mean, I know Canada, I don't know if they're still doing it. They did like the tax shelter thing. So that was why a lot of stuff, especially in like the 2000s, got filmed up there. But uh, mm-hmm. I know the South does a lot of kind of tax breaks like that because that's why like the walking dead is filmed in like georgia and i think they're doing some of the yeah. filming now in like virginia so i wouldn't be surprised if some of those other states you know in between there are starting to jump in on that as well yeah that's i mean that's a good way to go about it i mean i think uh what's the guy tyler perry yeah he opened his studio in georgia because for some of those reasons and he's killing it right now Oh yeah so if you if you got a you know out of out of hollywood location where you can really do something. I mean, it's worth it. Here in Texas, there's a lot of places that, like, what's his name? Uh, Robert Rodriguez is down here. Yep. There's a few people that are down here that have their whole kind of setup down in Texas. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just out of Hollywood, you can get some stuff done. I was gonna say it's just smart though, is that if these guys, especially if you have some clout behind your name, start to kind of branch out to these other areas, just like, I mean, I get, I understand the whole Hollywood concept, but like. It makes it better where you can have these smaller people if they're able to kind of do their own thing without being in there. And you never know. It actually might help where we can have more money diversified to some of these people that are talented. They're just not getting the breaks because they're not a household name yet. Yeah, yeah, because Hollywood has very specific rules on kind of what they right. do. So 
if you if they can kind of sneak in, not I won't say the back door, but a side door maybe, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to be able to get their material out there. That's a, that's a lot better for sure. And they, like you said, more opportunities to get get more people because I thought this was a was a pretty good film. So I think it's it's good to get more people that can get stuff out there because this this is very and this is my opinion, but I think it's a very sensual film. So it feels like a female a woman directed it. I don't know if that we'll we'll talk about it more. But I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, just let me give a brief the thing. Way there is I kind of felt the same way just because. I mean, I almost feel like the male is more of the actual lead, but mm-hmm. I do feel like the women in this hold a lot of power, and that makes a lot of sense when I looked it up afterwards, and I was like, yep, this is a woman director. I kind of got that vibe from it. Yeah, and talking about that, she she actually talked about that in the interview, that she wanted to, uh, she thought that, originally thought about having the guy be the actual person that gets you know, gets the whatever, yeah. whatever happens in the movie, and but they but she changed her mind and said that with the woman doing it, it would be different. It would be a different, a different angle to, to explore. Okay. As the guy, as the the person that everything's happening, when it's usually the woman that everything happens to in this kind of movies. Usually, yeah. it's not usually the guy. No, it's true. So she thought it would be a better way to explore yeah. how how he would deal with it oh. versus what we always see is you know a woman in peril right. type deal. But I thought it was interesting because she did mention that she was a big like Roman Polanski fan, and she loved like Rosemary Rosemary's Baby, okay. and she liked the movies where you know the women were not believed type movies. I'm trying to think of what you call that genre. Uh, what is that called? I don't know. Whatever Rosemary's Baby is like that kind of where where it seems like she's losing. She thinks she's losing her mind, and nobody believes her. It's this movie is very much that, yeah, in a weird way, you know what I'm saying? It so, is, she talked about yeah, kind of a that. take on like the damsel in distress, but like, because I mean, I know that like term was you know coined because of film noir where the where they would have like the femme fatale that's like the villain. I don't necessarily want to call it the damsel in distress just because that usually connotates that the males save them, but it is kind of that take where. Bad thing is happening to this woman, but they're the strong ones trying to prevent it. And this is kind of like you're saying, a little bit different variation on that with a more modern kind of twist with it. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was a good way to go. And and just to tie it all back in, now we get that opportunity when you get, you know, smaller places (laughs) opening up for movies too. So Exactly. To get those kind of films. Right. Okay, so the only thing else I really have about the uh, interview, I want to talk about the casting a little bit. And uh, just and we were kind of talking about it in our pregame, uh, how they got our, our character B Rose, and we know her from Game of Thrones. Yep. But uh, she talked about just being a big fan of the show, okay. and knowing her character uh, earlier in the seasons, knowing her character's uh, story arc from reading the books. Yep. Also, Cause I think you mentioned you had read the book before, the books for it too. Yep. But um, yeah, she knew what was going to happen, so she tried to set everything up to where she'd be able to grab her right when she knew. You know her character's kind of deal, so I thought that was kind of cool that she tried to line it up to where she'd be able to grab her. And they said they were filming before some of her episodes were even airing. I think the ones that she had already filmed. That's that's crazy. mm -hmm. So that's kind of a cool little tie-in. And did you have any? Did you have anything else about that? Um, yeah, because that's what that's really the only introduction I had to this film is that I remember 
when she was cast in this movie. I didn't know anything about the movie itself, but I remember seeing the news that she was pegged for a horror movie to be in it. And then once I kind of looked into this one just a little bit, I was like, oh, I bet this is the movie that she was signed on to right after her Game of Thrones stint came to an end. So that is kind of cool that I finally have figured out what the movie is and have now seen that movie. Okay, that's cool. And there's some there's some themes also I want to talk about, but uh, we can we can talk about those kind of as we're going through the movie. Okay, and then because I think that I don't want to give I, I mean we already said spoilers, but I don't want to give too much right. too much. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, the only other thing is that the male lead in this movie is Harry Treadaway, and the reason that I know him is that he was on the TV show of Penny Dreadful as uh, Oh my God, as Doctor Frankenstein. I, I recognize yep. him. Okay, okay, sorry. No, no, which sorry, it's kind of interesting, though, that our two leads here, now, they're on different, you know, channels, but we have a, you know, kind of minor character in Game of Thrones who, she's kind of a fan favorite, though, a lot of people know about her, and then you have him, who is from Penny Dreadful, where he's one of the main characters, but, I mean, he's still kind of one of the secondary ones that, they're there a lot, but they're not necessarily the main, like, heroes that you have. Yeah. Okay. I'm, when you said that, as soon as you said that, I was like, "That's where I know him from." Yeah, that, I was staring at him in the wow. beginning. I knew I knew yeah. it in his face. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's cool, man. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Oh no, you. you're good. Keep that going. was uh, yeah, that was one of the things when I saw that. I was like, okay, that's uh, that's kind of cool that they have him in here because I recognized him and it took me a minute, and I was like, all right, yep, that's Penny Dreadful. That's where I. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. All right, now I'm about to go look him up again because I'm like, <laughs> man, I I knew I knew him, but I was like. And she talked about him, but she she was you could tell she was a big Game of Thrones fan. So she had she talked about how good of an actor he was, but she had a lot to say about um, uh, Rose though too because of the ties with Game of Thrones. And it's also kind of interesting is that this is like you know a newbie from the United States. Well, Le- like Rose Leslie is actually from Scotland, and I'm pretty sure Harry is probably from the United Kingdom as well just make yep he's from England so it's kind of crazy that they are you know two people from the same country trying to pretend to be English but I think it kind of works in their favor (laughs) is that they're supposed to be from New York City so anytime I feel like any of their accent might leak through I can chalk that up to being not necessarily the normal like stereotypical New York accent that you get but I can believe that they could be from New York when it does kind of flash a little bit yeah yeah accents are always weird because yeah. like sometimes you can tell sometimes you can't right i'm glad they weren't supposed to be southern <laughs> right. so i'm glad they didn't go with that right. route because that wouldn't have really played no but, no yeah i mean they they play the characters enough to where those little subtle subtleties didn't really bother me when they would kind of sneak out every yeah yeah no i'm with you mm-hmm. but that's always amazing to me when people can when you hear their, cause yeah, cause I, in the interviews, yeah, they were British. That's oh, for weird. sure. When, when you British can hide family. your accent like that, like you have all of you know the credit for me, just because that has to be something that's difficult to do. I remember uh, what's his name, uh, Idris Ilba or whatever his name is. I didn't know he was British, <laughs> cause he was in The Wire and all these other shows, and and he always played like a regular American black guy. Yeah, and then. I'm like, he's British? I watched Luther. I saw Luther, and I was like, is he doing the accent? Yep. Wow, this is a really good accent. And then, oh, no, he's actually British. Wow. It took me the <laughs> longest to realize that. Cause I had seen so many, like, you know, Hollywood movies that he had been in, and I was like, oh, you know, this guy, 
his good look. You know, I like what he's doing here. And then, like, I've seen The Wire, love that show. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, that's – and then when you finally hear him speaking, like – because I'm pretty sure one of the first things I ever heard him speaking normal was The Office. As that I'm pretty oh, sure okay. he has, his, like, his normal accent. And I'm like, what? I was like, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, that blew me away. <laughs> but, yo, okay, I just, I'm just, just real quick. Okay, I told you I was watching a show mm-hmm. – and it's and I I'll go to this. It's a show on Stars called P Valley. Okay, that's what the name of the show was called, right? Okay, have you ever seen Nicolas Cage in um, Con Air? Yeah. I thought his accent was awful, right? <laughs> like I really thought his accent was bad in that yeah. movie, and I've heard people make fun of it. Watching this show, it takes place in Memphis, I think, uh-huh. in the country somewhere, yeah. and they all sound like. Nicolas Cage in that movie. <laughs> Everybody. A- everybody. So I want to take this time right now to be probably one of the only shows that will ever do this. I want to apologize to Nick Cage because he he actually nailed the accent and nobody thought he did. But hearing a lot of country people, white, black, different races, all talk like that blew my mind. So I just want to say sorry, Nick Cage. <laughs> you're, you're better than I thought you were, buddy. I think you're a crazy... Amazing actor, but you you did a great job. Sorry. I just want to apologize for all the jokes I've made <laughs> in my life about the bunny. What is it, bunny? I made so many jokes about that. Put the so bunny back I'm in sorry. the box. <laughs> yeah, I made <laughs> And that's exactly how they sound, and it blew my mind. Every every time I was like, Nicholas Case sounded, oh, my God. So I'm sorry, Nick. You're great, buddy. That's awesome. Okay, so I just had to get that out of the way because that blew my mind. Accents are a crazy thing. They, they <laughs> really are. So I'm with you right there. Yes, sir. Alrighty. So you know something now because you didn't know that probably either, That's, yeah. that he did a great job with that right. accent. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that movie, but yeah, that one is it's yes. pretty wild. Yes, the cast in that is incredible. Oh, for sure. But okay, man, where we where we started off. Yeah. So this movie. Um, I'll put up the spoiler warning. I don't think we haven't really done anything, you know, prior to that there. So, like, if you haven't seen this movie and you don't want anything to be spoiled, I would recommend, you know, pausing this here. Go check it out before we kind of, you know, go through everything. So, what I'm going to go ahead and do then is jump into the movie then. Is that I thought this was kind of an interesting setup here is that we have this young couple of B as well as... What is Paul? his name? Is Paul? Yeah, Paul. Yep, are the two couple here, and they have an interesting thing where we get to see the, you know, cans being drugged behind a car that you usually get as somebody's driving away for their honeymoon, and then you're getting these, like, wedding videos that are intercut that introduce us to this couple, but it's also introducing us to some things that'll play back into later on, and then, like, this intercut with seeing this car as it's going, you know, onto, like, a major highway, and we actually get to see it as it approaches the border to Canada, goes into it before we go into the woods and like kind of the last thing i'll say before i kind of throw it over to you to kind of any of your initial thoughts here i like that this couple is kind of quirky and that they're sharing stories about how normal some of these things can possibly be when you're trying to do some of these stuff and it felt like a real couple yeah i I did like i thought this was a good way to give us some semi-exposition kind of let us get to know them and know kind of about them and also show us where we're going at the same time like we're exactly. going somewhere so i thought it was cool how they kind of how they kind of did this intro it was it would yeah, get you sure. get you and i thought it was weird though the only part i thought was weird was that 
if his part of the interview didn't feel like he was talking to her, but her part of the interview felt like she was talking directly to him. So it okay. felt weird. Like so at first I thought maybe they're at the wedding and somebody's interviewing them and they're just watching the tape or something. And then I was like, wait a minute, but she's talking directly to him, so they're just making this. So at first I was a little confused about that, but no, you know what? I'm with you though. I did feel like it was a little bit odd at first where I didn't know if I didn't know if they were going to introduce us that they were having problems already mm-hmm. or what they were doing there. So I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah, cuz her part seemed more personal. His it seemed like this is how we met, but her seemed like she was talking directly to him. <laughs> kind of did. So, well, I mean, it's For sure. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think too much about it. I just thought that was interesting. I thought it was kind of weird the way she did that, but but anyways, I thought yeah. the I thought the beginning was good the way they started us off here. And then kind of even going from that is once they arrive at the cabin, I thought they do a really interesting job here. Um, you know, showing us that they're all about each other, that they're in that honeymoon phase from being married. And we also get to kind of learn about that this is her family cabin and she's sharing a little bit of its history and it's kind of like outdated, rustic nature as well. Now, this is something where I was kind of not sure if I missed something because I watched it twice. Second time, I kind of skimmed through, watched it. Okay. So I didn't watch it, watch it the full time because I didn't think I had missed too much. But um, do they say how long nobody's been here? Is that ever Uh, established? Because I I feel like I maybe missed a drop line or something. I don't think so. I don't. I just know that it's been a while as I feel like her parents might not still be alive. As just kind of like, because it doesn't seem like he knows all that much about her family. Yeah. So I kind of just took that she hasn't been up there since she was like a kid. Okay, yeah, that that's what it felt like. But then, like, also it felt like she went up there recently or something. Like, I didn't know. Right. Because I, okay, so you're telling me this, because maybe you, from where you live, you can give me a better understanding. If nobody's been there, why would there still be, like, power and stuff? Like, is that, um, like, oh, back, do they have, like, generators out there type deal? Or The only thing I could think is that. You just send a little money every month to pay it? Somebody pays it, it or? It's probably that, and it doesn't seem like this is like a cabin that's out in the middle of nowhere completely. It seems like it's close enough to like other places where the power is like is close enough where they never fully shut it off. Okay. Like, yeah, I, I, I just wouldn't see how that would work. I wouldn't sure. Yeah, it would. I'm wondering if it's one of those things where they don't show it to us, but they have to turn like the breaker on, like with the main, um, like the main switch where it turns everything, like the power completely onto the house. I don't know if it's one of those things. Because I feel like if, I feel like yeah. when my grandma lives in the country, because they live like in the deep country. Yeah. Like probably, it's it's weird to describe, like dirt roads, deep like a mile away from the yeah. neighbor country, but right. I feel like there's like a breaker out there somewhere. Yeah. And and then whenever they, like they, they left living there for a while and they turned it off. Yes. And then they, but I don't, I don't know how they had to get everything. I feel like they had to get everything set back up. So I don't know. I don't, I just don't know about that kind of stuff. So I may be just not understanding. No, I'm with you is I feel like it's either, I don't, they probably just didn't give it to us. So it's either kind of what you were saying that you have to turn like that breaker back on to have the power like fully turned back onto the house or she had set it up and they just 
felt like it wasn't that important to it, I guess, where it is kind of an interesting thing because if she hasn't been there for a while and nobody in the family has, are they paying, like, even the minimum electricity to go to the house? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not really a big part of the movie, but it was just something I wondered right off the bat, like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> even there's soap in the bathroom, because they go to the bathroom pretty early, okay. and there's soap in the bathroom that looks like it's been used, and I'm like, well, who was the last person to use the soap? How long ago was that? So That's I was kind of confused. Yeah. Like, there was little things in the house that I would be like, well, obviously somebody's been here. Do you rent it out, maybe? I don't know. Maybe they rent it to other people? Oh, uh, they might. That could be another explanation that of what they do. Because I was just watching something where that's what they would do is they had a cabin that they would rent out to other people. Mm-hmm. So it could possibly be that. That, that would make sense. I, we'll give them, let's just give them that, and that way we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I can buy that. Okay. All but right, it, well, then... From, you know, them being there, they end up, you know, doing their, you know, honeymoon type stuff and then go to sleep. Well, this first night, we actually kind of get the first type of thing that is a little bit supernatural possibly happening is while they're asleep, a bright light shines onto them from outside the window and it focuses on her while they're sleeping. And we also get this kind of cool thing where we're hearing this heavy humming and then it ends up just shutting off, and we don't get anything else that night. So the next morning, they get up, and this is where we get our first kind of awkward interaction between our newlywed couple. Oh, is this the when he's making pancakes? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. And <laughs> I think it's interesting because, like, are you talking about the, the womb comment? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, so he asked her, what does he say? I want to make sure your womb is recovered or safe. What does he say? It, I think it's like you need to rest, rest your womb. It. And, and she like she's taken aback by that though. She doesn't like that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "What? Wait a minute. What? Why'd you say that? Are you? Do you want to have a baby? Like, what? Are, so it seems like a conversation that they haven't had at all, which is weird yeah. that you wouldn't have That's that conversation. One of the married. first thing that struck me is that now I will say I have a friend who was in a serious relationship with somebody, and they never had this talk about like if they want children or not, if they want to be married and like we're all in our thirties and they're dating. And it's like, how do you not have these questions? Because like my current fiance, like we literally had like this talk on like our second or third date because like, I don't know about him, but like, I don't want to waste my time if we're not on like a similar page, yeah. you know, going forward with your future. Yeah, the same and it doesn't kind of seem track. like this couple. Yeah. Yeah. They don't seem, they seem, but that's something that we're going to find out. And we're going to be talking about themes here as we're going through it. But that's one of the themes that is really heavy in this movie. And I think they do a good job of showing it. Just just those relationships and how things can change and change your your outlook on somebody. Exactly. So that's something that's really interesting about it. But yeah, this this scene is crazy though because like, I just thought it was funny like how how this escalated because she just, I mean, the day before they were all lovey-dovey and just this one phrase and she's <laughs> and he's trying like hey yeah. i'm just saying i gave it to you hard last night that's all i'm saying okay <laughs> he's like please just sorry come down and i, I could yeah, you know is. in that moment i kind of felt him because i've had that situation before where i said something and i didn't mean it the way it, it, it may have been taken and yes. you're like trying to de-escalate it so hey wait a minute i'm sorry what i this is what i mean i'm very sorry 
You try to. Oh, I'm right there with you. Right, put my foot in my mouth with something that in my head I'm like, oh, this is funny, yeah. and then I say it, and I'm like, oh, that is not funny. Yeah, that's that not was, that is not received is not as I a wanted, joke. Right? I wanted it to. Be. So I felt exactly. him for a moment in that when he was like, because he's like, oh, wait a minute, that's that's I, hey, I was just saying, that's not what I meant. Okay, calm down. It's okay. Right. <laughs> but okay, man. So yeah, this is. They, I was talking about this earlier, actually, before we move on. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was, and this is what I put in my notes, this movie is very centrally shot. That's what I said. So, And what I meant by that is that all the love scenes feel very, like, romance book, almost. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of... There's a lot of It's, it's what I would think more feminine, because the other, the, uh, a male-geared movie seems to be more... A couple seconds and then to the point, you would get yep. some pumps, <laughs> for lack of a better word. You would get the <laughs> pump scene where, where there's movement. But these scenes, there's a lot more about the kissing and touching, caressing, which I feel like yeah. is more... I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm I'm trying to keep myself from getting in trouble by saying something no, off, off brand. But, but I feel like that's more something feminine. there that, that I wasn't thinking about is you are right that a lot of like the sex scenes in this movie you are getting a lot of, like, the passion that happens before it where, you know, like, they're making out, they're, like, rubbing each other, and then it cuts away right before you would get to more of, like, the sexualized stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even think about it, but I think you're right that that's kind of having, like, the woman director's touch to it, I think, where she's showing more more of the passion. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's... And she, uh, in the interview, she kind of talked about that. But not 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 too much detail, but she did talk about being able to control kind of what was being seen and what what we focused on in those moments. Yeah. So I think I think I think it's you can see it because when when I was thinking about it, I was like, now if this was a male director, I feel like we would have a like I said the pump scene and we would have a right after scene type. Oh deal yeah. Where we're no, talking this is about way it. more tastefully done. Yes, that, that's where I'm looking for tasteful. Maybe yep. that might have been. The, tastefully shot maybe that's a better way to say it because everything is very <laughs> like even we get some nudity but it's it's very artistic it's not it's not very i don't think it's it's sexual but it's not overt i don't know how to <laughs> no but yeah i mean to go along with that it's it's not like what a tor- like a normal type thing where they're catering to the male audience. Yes. Where yes. that's where like, because like you're saying, if this was, I mean, I would say more often than not, a male director probably would show her, you know, straight on topless or yes. at least, you know, like we would, a little we bit of an angle. For no reason, boob shots. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got, so we're on the same page. You got what I'm saying. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I was talking in circles for a second there. I was like, I'm trying to find the point here that I'm trying to make. But yeah, but that's that makes it interesting though. I think because you do get to get to get different perspectives. I get tired of seeing the same stuff all the time. Oh yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, so that that makes it interesting. Okay, so let, we can jump back in. I don't want to derail yeah. it too long. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting that you had brought up as well some of the like social commentary and you know some of the themes here because this actually leads into an interesting talk where she asks him if he's ever killed anything as they're oh, talking yes. about like the the bear room where there is a you know giant um 
it's not stuffed but like a giant like bear carcass like a rug that is like hung up on the wall and everything like that mm-hmm. and this is some of those things where we're talking about where he doesn't know about like what her father has done where he was a hunter who has done stuff like that and he pretty much alludes onto the fact that he is more of a city person where he's never killed anything outside of like what I'm assuming would be like insects and stuff like that that is just being more of a nuisance and I think I think they actually did a good job with the writing here because the way that he approaches it is how I feel like it would really happen. Like if right. you're when you when somebody's against something that that you're okay with, they try to belittle it like, oh, he's a so your dad's the kind of man that would kill a bear. Like he starts trying to. Yep. It's a weird thing that people do in real life, and I thought they did a good job with conveying that he's against it and he's trying to make almost make her not make her feel bad about it, but try to belittle it kind of. Yeah, he's being very condescending that yes. like, her dad was the great hunter who, you know, killed a massive bear. Because he, he brings like, it up again later in the movie, yep. talking about Will, actually. He brings up that same yep. kind of mentality that, that he's against, seems like. And I mean, actually, now kind of thinking about it, it's almost as if he feels inadequate because, like, that's not him. Mm-hmm. And he almost seems like he is wondering if she's looking for a person like that. Now, it's not so much prevalent here because it's her father they're referring to, Mm -hmm. but definitely that scene later on is that he does feel jealousy about him not being that type of person. Yeah, and that's that's with those themes, because if, like we were saying earlier, um, you know, how you know somebody and how you feel close to somebody, and then you find out something you never knew, and that can really change the way you look at them, which is a weird thing, but it's true. Because then all of a sudden, like we're saying, it feels like other things aren't... You're being bombarded. Because he's been bombarded with a lot of stuff he didn't know. Exactly. At the, like we are talking about in this moment. And then, um, does this when they go out to the boat right after that? Yep. I was actually going to say that going along with him not necessarily knowing things about her is that they end up going down to the boathouse and he puts on a life vest where she kind of mocks him about it. Mm -hmm. But we also learn once they actually go out on the water is that she was a Girl Scout for 12 years, so she knows how to, like, tie all the different knots as he throws the anchor into the water without actually tying it to the boat. Yeah, now I want to say this here, and I don't, I don't, we're already in spoilers. Is it weird? Because right here at this moment, before they go get on the boat and before he gets the the little life preserver thing or whatever, like... He's just looking at the water with a, like a little, like a dreadful look in his face. Now, I know we talked about it in the pregame, but he's obviously got a fear or discomfort with water, or he's not able to swim very well because this is going to come up several times throughout the movie when he's around water that he has some kind of issue with it. But it's never said what that issue is exactly. No, you're right. And I mean, I didn't even pick up on it until you had brought it up during our pregame is that it made me think back the moment you brought it up to him putting on the life vest where she like mocks him about it. And I mean, I know for myself is like, I'm not a world-class swimmer, but like if I fall in the water, like I can get myself back to the boat or I can get myself back to shore. Like I'm, you know, serviceable when it comes to it. I only put on a life vest if somebody's like, no, you need to put it on. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting that I think you're right is there's at least a mild fear of the water because that he does put that on. And then we actually see when they go out in the water that he feels how cold it is and he's against jumping in where at first she was all about it. Yeah, and I thought this was an interesting scene um, because, again, like, he's, as far as what I was talking about with the water, 
he's playing around with her like he's gonna throw her in the water at some point. But yeah. he's but he doesn't. But he wasn't he wasn't going to. Cause in right. this is is this the topless? Uh yeah, this is where he is like keeps trying to tell her to take off her okay. top while they're like and then she's against it and Okay, he, so so he says yeah, that. It, okay. So he tells yeah. her she's like, I really want to go swimming with you and he said, right. I really wanted to go skinny diving, skinny dipping with you. Yep. So I think as we're getting back to those same things about them not knowing each other, like, does she not know he can't swim? And she keeps bringing up, be. getting in the water, and he's not wanting to say, well, I can't swim. Maybe he's embarrassed about it. or Could be. But I think that's interesting because really he just wants to get her naked is what he's thinking. Assuming oh, yeah. if they get naked, they're not going to get in the water is what he's thinking, I'm, I'm assuming. Right. But so I just thought that's something that'll come back later in the movie as well. This This interaction they're having here. This same thing will play back in later, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, and I also kind of noticed here is that they tend to, like, rib each other in more tense moments, and that almost kind of seems like they're using humor as a way to actually avoid processing their feelings and kind of just to be able to laugh things off or be like, oh, I was just joking with you. Yeah, I'm always weird about that because I, I want to say, like, if you know couples like that, because there's couples like that that, do that and I never know if it's they're just joking yeah. and they're cool with it or if they're really or kind of issues know. <laughs> that they're trying to avoid exactly it, yeah it's very like what is sometimes. it I don't know so that's always kind of awkward like when like yep. if you know somebody and you know how their humor is that's different but when you don't know it feels kind of weird like man is that really an issue or is that a real joke right or do you smile yeah. or do you just mind your business <laughs> what do you do <laughs> so right I felt like that the way they were kind of going back and forth a little bit but that kind of plays into what we're talking about, you know, as far as the, as that same thing we've been kind of pounding on, that oh, you yeah. really don't, it's weird when things start unfolding that you feel like, oh my God, everything's, I don't know anything, everything's weird. So you can really see that, them starting that early. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then actually going off of, I mean, I feel like I'm going to end up saying this a lot, off of not necessarily knowing each other all that well is... From here, I believe the couple ends up walking down to a local restaurant, which if everything from the sign is exactly what it seems like, the restaurant, his name is Restaurant. (laughs) I did like that moment when they were walking up and she's like, yeah, this place is called Restaurant and they serve food. (laughs) Their specialty is food. Yeah, specialty (laughs) is food. (laughs) That was pretty funny. That was a nice little laugh. That was fun. (laughs) And then they end up going inside where they're not sure if it's open or not. But this ends up creating a very awkward scene where we get to meet, I believe, I know it belongs to the wife, and her name is Annie, but she is married to a guy by the name of Will, who ends up realizing that our character of B here is, he calls her Trixie, and it seems like that they have a history together, and we get this awkward moment where Will and Paul kind of get to meet each other, and... They but, kind of are definitely having like a you know male standoff. Yeah, it's kind of adversarial right away. But I yep. mean, let's let's not let's not walk over the fact that as soon as they come in, does he break that lamp or does he just accidentally knock it over? Um, I know there was like that weird power surge that we'll end up coming back to here in a minute, mm-hmm. and then it does seem like he like slaps it off the uh, off of that like end table. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like when that happened, he like knocked it off or something. And I was like, oh my, so it was kind of a weird, 
that made it really weird because they're like, we're closed. He's like, we're closed or something like yep. that. And he just breaks that. I'm like, oh, God. Okay. We're, you know, so then, then they get that interaction we're talking about him. Yep. And so Trixie, why come that's never mentioned again? That's a really weird nickname. I don't know. And I actually wondered that myself, like, because we never really kind of learn why he calls her that. And then, like you said, it never comes back up again. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna just just preview something here. I really wish we would have got some information about something about this town, because it's weird to me that, based on what we see, they're the only two other people that live in this town. Because she mentioned, like it, but I mean, she mentions earlier that. So I'm guessing it's like like we said. Oh, you know what? Yeah, because she says it. She says that everybody comes in the summer, so yes. it is like a maybe a rental type deal. And I believe it is late spring. Yeah. And so, and they actually yeah, the shot other it people aren't spring. there yet. Just, just oh, FYI, yeah. they actually shot it early spring. So they said the water was actually a little cold. Oh. Just throw that in there. <laughs> Makes sense then. Um, and then I know also in this scene is where we see that there's something not quite right about the character of Annie. And I know Paul is concerned that... There could be some, you know, domestic violence type thing going on here because he is very, you know, kind of rude and forceful. Yeah, it's a really weird interaction because she comes out the back saying that they need to leave, right? Yes. So it's kind of, it's not, you know, it's a death curse. It's not that, but it's <laughs> it's still kind of weird that somebody would just run out saying that. And the way, like, he just grabs her arm and pushes her back, that seems like abuse to me. So I don't think Paul's in the wrong to feel that way the way because he he's no. like wait a minute he was really aggressive with her when they talk about no, it I later agree. i just i don't think he was wrong to to be worried for her safety at that moment anyways no, no i i'm with you there is that he is concerned and this also kind of creates issues between them is that b does you know have this history with will and she was friends with him when they were children so she kind of seems to be defending him and that bothers paul there's a lot of subtle acting that happens in this movie, and I wanna, yes. I wanna say I feel like our actors give us a lot of really genuine acting here. Like it feels really genuine. Everything does, as far I as agree. that part. So, but there's a moment here when after that happens, she gives him a smile, which is weird. She gives yes. uh, Will a smile, talking about yep. B, and then yep. she kind of lets it fade. Like the smile kind of fades slowly off her face, but it's really weird. I don't, I don't. So without knowing anything about their history, I'm assuming they dated, or maybe they were just really close friends. I don't know, but it yeah, feels weird. You never know how long ago that you know their history goes back, and how long, like how many summers they might have spent together. I pick up on the same thing that they were, you know, kind of a young couple, and they might have had sex. Because she mentions, she that. does mention that. Because when he's like, he asked her if she likes him at some point in the movie, and he's like, she's like, yeah, I can just picture his 13-year-old body. So I'm like, okay, so they knew each other since 13, or that's the last time she saw him? Yeah, that's actually a good point. I didn't even, I don't even remember that, but I do know what you're talking about. So I do wonder then if they were like, you know, young teens, what well, last time they've seen each other. Yeah, it, none of that stuff is ever really explained or made clear, so. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of going along with that, she does say that he was a great hockey player in this initial, like, scene here. And so I'm assuming then he would have at least had to have been, you know, around that age of, like, 10 to, like, 13. Yeah. Because, like, you normally, I guess, wouldn't say that against, like, a kid who's, 
you know, six or seven, you might not even remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, and it could be a deal where, like, they met at 13, but she knew him through high school type deal, oh, too. Yeah, so, you sure. never know. They kind of yeah. they, they leave it ambiguous, but it's okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I really wanted to know something about the town and their relationship. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Because at this point in the movie, when I'm watching it the original time, I'm really still not knowing what's gonna what's it about. Like I don't know yeah. what's gonna happen. So I feel like they do do a good job of keeping things secretive for a long time. Oh, for sure. Um, and then so the next thing ends up happening is they come home. You know, they have a little bit of a tiff, but they end up going to sleep. And then this is an interesting night. Is that before they went to bed, Paul says he's gonna get up early. He's gonna go catch them dinner tomorrow, and like by fishing. And you know she's. Not necessarily overly enthusiastic about it, but is willing to kind of allow that. But during the night, all of the lights in this place has like a power surge and they all turn on. And then this also causes an alarm clock to go off, which wakes up Paul. And then he starts to get ready, not realizing that it's three in the morning and he was preparing himself to go fishing. But when he goes back in the bedroom, B is missing. Yeah, she's... She's wandered off, and he seems really afraid. Like, at first, he thinks she's playing a joke on him or something, it seems like. But then he starts getting yes. more and more concerned as he's not able to find her anywhere in the house. Right. And then it takes him a little bit, but he ends up finding her naked in the woods. And, and that was she creepy. She doesn't know how she got there. That, that was, was creepy. creepy. Especially with everything, with the guy. We just met this guy. Yep. So I can... There's a lot of times in the movie where I can completely understand Paul's mindset. Yes. As things are happening, I completely understand. Okay, we're here by ourselves. I saw that. Has he seen the weird light at that point already? Not yet. Okay, I'm trying to remember if that was before or after. But he knows, he feels like something's weird going on. So Yes. And then your wife's missing, and all of a sudden she's just naked in the woods. So some, Right. And she looks like stunned or something, shocked or something. Yeah, she does exactly look like she's in shock. And, like, she's not sure where her... Uh, nightgown is and then she is interesting here is that she's trying to convince him that she's fine like he's clearly worried and she really just kind of wants to go back to bed and pretend like nothing has happened now i don't know if i want i don't want to talk too much about what i want to say right now now yep but it's i don't understand and i don't know if that's just playing back into the you don't you think you know somebody but then they really don't know each other Right. Like, that's, it seems weird that she wouldn't tell him what happened to me this early on. Like, I don't, I don't know why she wouldn't say, like, maybe she doesn't know or doesn't realize. That's, that's what I would probably lean towards, that she's not necessarily sure what has happened. And, like, like I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, so I don't necessarily want to jump right into what the reveal ends up being, yeah. because at this point, we don't know yet. Yeah. But it does kind of feel... The, at least my interpretation is that she's not even sure what has happened to her. And she's just kind of like woke up, terrified, wants to go back to sleep and just pretend like nothing has happened. Yeah. See, I had a weird thing where I was thinking that they did it like that on purpose. Like when we're talking about the themes that yeah. maybe she didn't trust him all the way Could be. to tell him something that and it would be kind of adding to the what they're kind of been doing little by little kind of showing us well, these that- little cracks. Well, not only that, but there's a big theme here of protecting the other person. Mm-hmm. So it could also be that where she doesn't want to tell him if she does know what's happened. Yeah, it's 
it's a really weird little interaction here. But I mean, I don't know how else it could not be weird if you find your wife naked in the woods. So. Right. <laughs> but okay, man. And, let's what's that? What, yeah, well, Let me see. This actually breakfast? then gives us another weird, yeah, side effect here is like you were saying the breakfast scene. We have a lot of breakfast in this movie. I just want to say they that. do. <laughs> they do have a lot of trying. A lot to of make fishing and a lot food. of breakfast. Yeah. Because then she's trying to make French toast, and then he's confused as that she did not batter the bread and is literally just burning it on their griddle. And then she also doesn't know how to make coffee because she literally is just pouring out hot water where we have all of these beans inside of it that have not been ground up yet. Yeah, it was really weird because he seems, like, really weird about it. He's like, what the heck's going on? Like, how do you just get toast bread? And he pours the coffee and he's like... What? She's like, and yeah. she seems confused too, though, because she's like, but I, but I made it. I don't understand. So then I'm but confused because I mean, I'm like, oh man, is it super, what, what's going on? I still don't know what's going on at this point. I mean, I'm still don't know. I will say is that her explanation. I could kind of see a little bit of it. Is that she's blaming everything on the stress of how much everything has been a whirlwind, where. They had just gotten married, you know, they like went out to the country for their honeymoon where I could see it. I don't necessarily believe that you would forget how to do all of these things. Like I could see one of them, but I do think it's kind of an interesting thing. And like actually in my notes is that I had put down that this is an interesting idea that he wants to make her happy, but he is reconsidering everything. And this is where I started to see like, is this movie trying to say that marriage does change your relationship and changes everything? Yeah, because then he's questioning everything. Like, even, does she mention the sleepwalking here? Uh, yeah, that's what she starts blaming it on. And he's like, you, she's like, I was just like, sleepwalking. You never, sleep, you never did that before. What are you talking about? So he doesn't even, he's like, I've never seen you sleepwalk. And we've been, I don't know if he said how long they've been together, but. You know, I actually, I wasn't even thinking about until you brought that up. I think they might have had a very quick engagement into getting married and it almost seems like they haven't known each other that long. And that may go back into the intro of the movie. Maybe they were just showing us how wham bam their their love affair was. Like how quick it happened. Right. Like it feels like they might have known each other like six months and now they've already kind of rushed into marriage. Yeah, it does feel like that. It really does. And now you're saying that and uh like you said, going back like we hear about their first di- first date and maybe a couple more. So, yeah, yeah. I you think you're right, man. I think we're talking about months of a relationship to marriage here. And then this is also around the time where she ends up, like, they end up discovering that she has these weird markings on her inner thigh, which he's worried, and, you know, she's acting odd. And in my notes, I actually was wondering, because this is where you kind of notice that they're spaced out almost like they had bitten by fangs. Mm -hmm. So at this moment, I'm like, is this like a vampire possibly? And that's why she's kind of being weirded out is that she's changing. And like, she's not understanding these changes that are happening in her body. Mm -hmm. Now, we'll see that's not what ends up happening here. But that was kind of one of the initial things that I started to think here. Yeah, and I, I was somewhere down that path with you. I was thinking like a, like a, um, like the, what is the alien thing called? Some, some kind uh, of weird shaped thing that attaches to you. I was thinking something was attaching yeah. to her and that was like the, whatever it attaches to her with. So I was on the same page that something was feeding on her some kind of way. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. sure. 
I, we're we're going to find out later what happened, but <laughs> that's not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, once he notices these things is when he goes out looking in the woods and ends up finding her nightgown out there where there is this, like, slimy, almost, like, semen-like substance on yeah, it. Yeah, and I feel like he jumps to... And he they, they never say it. There's a lot of stuff. And I think they do a really good job of, of, of putting a vibe and information out there without actually saying it. Oh, yeah. But at that point, I feel like he thinks she got raped by that guy. I she agree. just doesn't want to say it. It does feel like that kind of violation of that type of thing where he does seem to feel like that. And then he notices that there's also a large footprint next to it that's mm-hmm. bigger than his. Yeah. And so he does kind of start to wonder if, like you said, that Will has something to do with this. I, I just think that's interesting that there's a lot of stuff that's said without being said exactly. It's just yes. acted out by the actors. That oh, they, for sure. They, their emotions change and they show it. I think, I'm, I mean, I've said this already, but I think they did a good job, the actors, man. For sure. And actually, this is where, like, I mean, it really took, like, the bite marks on her leg to this point was only a couple minutes. But when I noticed that, I started to wonder if this could be something, like, we were talking in the pregame, like a changeling type thing where something in the woods took her and then have, like, left him a copy. Because right after this is where he comes in the house and sees her talking to herself in the mirror where she seems to be practicing being normal with kind of going over a cadence of things that she should know by heart without even thinking. Yeah, that's a really creepy thing to walk in, walk in on. Oh, for sure. And um, and, and also she's... In this one, she's coming up with the reasons why she can't have sex. Yes. Yep. Like, she's she trying to remember that, that too. Like, I got yep. a headache, or I took medicine, and now I don't yep. feel good, or something, she's saying. Yep. But I'm like, I feel like that should be a conversation we need to talk. Why are you making up a story right now? Just tell me you don't feel good. What are you doing? Right. Like, I feel like that would... It was weird to me that that he didn't walk in and talk to her right at that moment. It felt weird that he kind of waited. Right, because she actually doesn't relay that until later that night, and I agree, is that it's weird that he hides and is like, I'm going to wait for her to try to use this excuse on me before I kind of call her out on it. Yeah, I I just, I don't know, it feels like that was, would be something you'd want to, I mean, it's just you two there, just, let's go ahead and address it, if we're supposed to be on our honeymoon, let's. Exactly. So it felt felt weird, but also playing into those themes, (laughs) they don't know each other maybe, and. They have different ways of... They don't know how to approach each other yet. I don't know. Oh, no. that's It's actually interesting because, like, in my notes at this, like, little section here, there does seem to be some jealousy. And I had to put down that, you know, not truly knowing your spouse because there's this distrust and overprotective. And it almost seems like because there's that potential that she could have been raped, that she could be using that excuse of, you know, having a headache so she doesn't actually have to deal with the trauma if that's what happened to her being violated. And then there's him feeling jealous because somebody has violated his wife. Yeah, and then that goes back to his kind of fears and weakness because he was, again, upset about the the hunter alpha male type, I guess you could say. Yeah, exactly. And now he's... You know, he's feeling that now. He's feeling that, like, well, I wasn't man enough. Or, like, there's there's probably all these thoughts that would be going inside your head at that moment, you know? I agree. And you don't, and again, you don't even know if that's what she wants anyway. Like, it's weird. <laughs> it's oh, it's yeah. interesting how they play with these things, though. 
Yeah, because then, I mean, from here is where um, they end up getting in an argument where this is where actually Paul blames everything on Will, and she has some weird reaction to this. I mean, she tells him that it's not Will, but that he's ruining everything according to her, and he really just wants to go home because, like, her wound is not getting better, and I think it's around this time here that he goes to fool around with her, and this is where she starts to bleed heavily from her vagina, and it gets all over him. She claims it's her period, but he knows that, like, it isn't her time of the month, and that there's something wrong with how much is coming out, and, I mean, as a guy, I wouldn't have any clue, so it's kind of weird that he would respond that way, but I think a lot of it is, too, is that he has come back and said, like, he saw her doing those, like, practicing those lines, so when he sees it, he's already thinking there's something else up. Yeah, because I think he feels like that if it's what he thinks happened, that she has damage, and that's why she's bleeding. Good call. Yeah, that it's trauma. Yeah. And that she doesn't want anybody to, but it, but if there's a serious issue, you want to take care of that right away if it's a sexual assault. Exactly. So I feel yep. like he's in the back of his mind. He's thinking, you know, that's why you don't want me to touch you because you're sore and you're dam- you have some kind of damage or something. Right. And he still doesn't know what the marks are, so he's like, <laughs> he's like, no, we gotta yeah. go to the hospital. We gotta do or something. Which I, to me that seems like the what you would do, and but she's against it. Exactly. Which is yeah, weird. that's actually, I didn't even think about it. That's true, is that a lot of times they will kind of make up excuses because they don't want to have to deal with it. And I, I don't blame them for being in that position and kind of if you're not ready to do something. So it is kind of like Paul being one of those people that is pushing somebody to do something they're not ready to do yet. Yeah, and that's the, that's the good thing in this movie that you really don't know what's going on yet. So it's still... What's going on? And is it this? Because yeah. I kept thinking, is it something with him? Is he? So so they had me at this point, man. I'm still not knowing yep. what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> and I do know that once they get into this argument is when Paul goes to seek out Will to see what is happening. And we get this really creepy scene where he ends up finding Annie down by the dock. And this is where he realizes that she has the very same marks on her leg. And she's looking quite rough, and he ends up finding Will's hat in the water, and there's blood on it. Yeah, and there's just just a marker here. There there was a part earlier in the movie when they had that first interaction, yep. and they mentioned his hat, and he mentions yep. he wouldn't get rid of it or something over his dead body type deal. Yep. yep. And then we see the hat just floating in the water with blood exactly. on it. Exactly. So, there you go. <laughs> you know what happened to this guy. When I saw the hat, right. I was like, I remembered that line, I was like, Yep, he said it. So I know something happened to him. And the wife says he's hiding, right? I believe so, which will end up coming back into play a little bit later as well now that I think about it. And this is actually where Paul starts to think that Will wasn't in on it and that there's something much more nefarious going on here. So this is when he ends up going to his house or something, right? Or office or something? Yeah. Well, that's when he... I think he goes back to try to get into the restaurant and notices that there's a security camera. Okay, so it's and the so restaurant he, he goes back into. Okay. I think so. I, they, I think they live there. I think it's one of those oh, okay. where there House is like the an apartment. Or, yep, exactly. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I was like, it feels like he went somewhere, but it didn't feel like he went far. So I was like, did he just go to right. the corner or where did he go? And this is also kind of when he jumps on this like old 
desktop computer i did feel like this was a little bit convenient and a little bit too generic for him to find all this footage that easily and he would be able just be to get on the computer and it wouldn't be like encrypted with any kind of passwords or anything. exactly yeah. i'm willing to forgive it just for like movie convenience but i was like that's way too easy to find this stuff yeah i mean i guess they've been doing good with not just giving you the smoking smoking gun but we got a little bit of a smoking right. gun right here where we, now he knows yeah. that it really is that something's going on, not that he's crazy or that she she's just lying to him. You know, I mean, she know he knows that she's just lying to him. Though. And I'm not sure if it was something we've already. I don't know if it's come up or not yet, but I know there was a scene where when he's watching this footage from the security cameras, he notices this bright light happening, mm -hmm. and then there is a night where. He doesn't trust what's going on because he sees this bright light and is trying to figure out what's going on with it. Because he sees and the shadowy figure or something, doesn't he? He does, yep. He looks out the window and sees it, and I, I think it's already, it had happened. Because the shadowy figure close. is outside when he's looking on the computer when the power surge happens, right? Yes, that's right, yep. Okay. And then when it goes, you see the figure and then it go, all the lights go back out or something? He must go home and end up seeing it where... I know B wants him to come back to bed, but he's terrified and stays awake where he keeps creepily ticking on that light and yeah, turning that it was, off. That was creepy. What, what was he doing there? I don't know outside of just kind of... Was he trying to let, the, let whoever's outside know that he's awake? Or I don't know. It's either that or him just trying to keep himself awake by doing something. Oh, well, maybe. But I mean, oh, was yeah, he waiting? Because when that weird electricity thing happened, I wonder, was he trying to trigger that again or something? I don't know. It could be. It it's could no be telling. something along those lines. Because I do know he sees the shadowy figure back at their place when he's, like, chasing around that light as it's going through each window. Yeah. And that was a weird, kind of weird thing. I mean, it's a it's an independent film, so I guess it's effective enough. I mean, I... Right. You never you never see it, see what it is, but it's, it's effective right. enough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, you know what? We we missed one thing because that, in, that, in that boat scene uh, where the blood happens, we talked about. Yes. Is is what when is this? It, well, I'm, so, I'm I'm confused now. Did she already jump in the water? Has that already happened? Because I had that in my uh, notes, and I think yes. we skipped past. Yes, that. It, yep. That must have been the scene where was that he the notices boat scene she's bleeding that? heavily. Yep. Because I think it's like one where she jumps in the water, and that's showing us that she doesn't know that he can't swim. Cause he's just looking at her like, why would you do that? Well, it's I think it's part of that, and it's also that they didn't go swimming the day before because of how cold the water is, mm -hmm. and it didn't seem to bother her as she just jumped in that time as well. Yes, that's okay. That's why it was kind of weird. Cause he was like, wait a minute, cause you jumped just by touching it last time. So yeah, right. Okay, I think that was earlier, but I was thinking about that for some reason. Cause this is the when he says, cause at some point she talks about using baby frogs for a bait. And he calls yes. her uh, Froggy Kruger, <laughs> and I thought that was a, that was a <laughs> that funny was line, but she didn't get it because she's already zoned out. <laughs> so she didn't laugh, and he's like, "Hey, why didn't you laugh? You you said that yesterday or something." So that, that there's a lot of little scenes like that where they kind of show that they're falling more and more out of sync as a couple. Yes, exactly. Okay, but let, let's go back to where we were. I'm sorry, man. I I, I just had that no. written down. I was like, wait a minute, did we pass that? No, yeah, it, I, for whatever reason, I didn't write it down, but you're definitely right, is that is some of the scenes that have happened in between where we are and some of the stuff that's already kind of happened already. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're past that part now, so we can keep going. Well, the next thing that I have in my notes was an extremely creepy scene where 
he walks in on the bathroom with her shoving a brush up inside of her. Oh, yeah. And causing herself to bleed out very, like, a lot. Like, just a ton of blood just comes, like, running out of her. Yeah, that was a really... They don't they don't have a lot of really bloody scenes, but when they do it, it's it's not over the top. So it, because that that looked pretty gross. <laughs> it looked oh, for sure. Realistic enough to me. And then this actually ends up leading to a very kind of tense scene where he's questioning why she was doing that to herself, and this is where he is. Something that has happened in the past is that she was writing down on uh, in her journal the different lines that she is trying to remind herself of what her name is, what her husband's name is, you know, where she lives and all of these, like what her favorite color is. He noticed that when he went to the restaurant that Annie was also doing the same thing. Oh yeah. The exact same thing. So he was starting to quiz her on, you know, where their first date was and other information. Oh, he grabs her book. Seem to remember. Yep. Cause she had a book that she closed abruptly on him when he tried and he walked up and he grabbed that book and started looking. That's yep. what I remember. That yeah, I remember you talking about yeah, and that was that is creepy because I I got a shining vibe when she was writing something because I didn't know what she was writing. You know when you, when they showed it earlier, I didn't I didn't quite see what she was writing. It looked like she was I thought she was writing a suicide note to be honest with you it for him. Kind of looked yeah. That's what I thought she was doing, and it got really creepy at that moment for me. But because I thought well we're gonna get to it. I I had a at this point I had a different interpretation of what was happening than what actually does happen well yeah because this is also creepy is that we've seen all these videos so we know what their first date was and we know what the proposal was now she can't remember where they went on their first date even though you know they were just talking about it four days ago mm-hmm. and then this is also where the way she recounts him proposing is what the initial plan was but because she was sick they had to do it in like their bed and just kind of make it up like a tent and then this also leads to him, they have this little thing that they like to do where he calls her his honeybee, and then she'll make this bee sound mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, like fly it up towards him. Now, she can't remember this, and this is what really kind of sets him off, and he ends up tying her up with some rope, oh, yeah, which is yeah. <laughs> interesting because this is referencing out something back is their first night there. Oh, yeah, was, I remember know, that scene. Tied yes. her up as like a kiki joke, and then now it's for his safety. Okay, and this comes back to a line. I don't know if it was the pregame I said this or earlier. I think it was yep. the pregame. But in that scene where he grabs the rope and he's like, you dirty girl. She said, before that, she says, um, he said he was hungry or something. She's like, well, I already feel full. from the, <laughs> And she was talking about from the inside. So it was like, so that comes yep. back here at this moment. Yes, the rope it does. <laughs> so, he, so this is interesting, man, because we talked about it. How would you how would you feel if you had to do this, man? What we're about to talk about. If you were Paul and you had to not 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 give birth to a baby, but I don't like this is like some fly too. Whatever she oh, thought yeah. she was gonna have type baby bleeding. Like the okay, so how do you describe this, man? It's he's he's gonna have to help her get this thing out of her, whatever it is. Yep. And he puts his hands in there and there's this, the slime that he saw, plus blood and all kind of stuff, and his face is priceless at this moment. <laughs> As he's oh, he like a pure terror, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm with Paul most of this movie, and I'm like, if this was my wife and I'm sitting here, I'd be like, well, yeah, we got to get it out of her, but how long is this thing? At least, what, 
It's got to be what four, like three feet long, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say somewhere around there, like two or three feet long, is what he's like pulling it out, and it just keeps like. And it's just keeps, blood like, pulling and... on it. <laughs> and we kind of see, I think, because when it gets to the end of it, I feel like we see what made the marks, right? Like he's got a weird mouth thing. Yeah, it almost has like almost like a, a wire like tuning fork, mm-hmm. and that's what seems to be like has. I guess attached to these women before it kind of impregnates them. Yeah, because she doesn't change once he takes it out. She still goes on her same path. So I know we were discussing yep. that. Was it a like aliens? You get impregnated, or was it like a symbiont relationship where the symbiont creature takes over? Like we weren't ever a hundred percent sure what the relationship is with her and this thing that's been taken from her. Yeah, it never really kind of gives you a full explanation there. I kind of agree with what you had said. I think it was in the pregame where it does seem a lot like the movie Alien where, like, the face hugger, once it, like, attaches to you, it lays its, like, egg inside of your chest where I think that's kind of what this is doing is that when it attaches to you, it does something that takes over your consciousness where you are still there, but there's something for the most part, that's controlling you and just kind of taps into your memories. Yeah, and I, and it feels like, because we're getting we're at the end here now pretty much. We're getting yeah. close to the end. But it feels like that that she knows, like, like the person that's been taken over knows that it's happening. Yep. Because it feels like she knows, and we're going to get to it here at the end, but it feels like she knows that their time, the amount of time she has as being this bee, bee is almost over. Like yep. the thing is almost completely taken over. But it feels exactly. like she's aware of some kind of clock in her head because the way she talks, she says it a lot that we're almost out of time or you're ruining the little bit of time we have. Like she says yep. specific phrases about time and, and only a certain amount of time. And yep. I wonder if that's because she knows or there's some kind of connection where she knows how much of her own consciousness or maybe she can feel it fading away or I don't know. None of that's ever given to us. But that's... That's me in, the, think, in there writing my own canon. No, but I think you're on to something there, though, is that I think she kind of has an idea that there's only so much time now that she has been taken over and that you are right. Their time is coming to an end and all she can do is hide him before things completely take her over. So, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, now I want to... Let's, let's get to the end because it's... A, I have some canon that I want to discuss, but I don't want to do it now. Let's get to the end, and then I'll I'll, I'll bring in my fan fiction or what I want it later. I don't, I don't want to say it yet. <laughs> yeah, so, like, really the kind of how this all ends up here is that she unties herself, and then he ends up being knocked out, and he wakes up in the boat where he has his hands and feet have been tied, and... What I think is interesting here is that with her kind of limited normal conscious, she believes that the only place that she can hide him is in the water because they can't get to him there. Hey, and but, like, but do you remember that scene, right? The, the boat scene with the blood? She's putting a worm on a hook and she's saying, oh, you know, they can breathe. They can only breathe for like um, two minutes or one minute. Or you're something. right. You're that's yeah. So that's why she a, feels like the water is the same because they can't get down to him in time or something. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that or correlate that back, but yeah, that's, and he, I mean, he starts pleading for his life that he's, I mean, 
like you said, he's only going to have, you know, a few minutes before everything kind of comes to an end here. But, yeah, she ties his feet to a anchor and tosses him over the board. I'm, I'm, this is me. I'm like, if I'm Paul, I'm like, hey, could could you just push me out into the middle of the water in the boat and you stay on shore? And then right. y'all won't get in the water to come get me and I'll just chill out here till I can find a way to get out of here? Or why do you have, why can't, why do you have to get in the boat with me? Just stay on, on the shore. And I'll stay over here, and we're fine. I'll sleep out here. Right. <laughs> but no, that's not what happened. She just... This is not what I expected. I did not expect this this to happen like this in this moment. I didn't either. I wasn't expecting it to kind of go that route. But we should have, because throughout the whole movie, they've been pointing to his fear of water, and they've yep. been talking... Even, even in the scene with Annie and Will earlier... Well, with Annie, actually, Will was already gone. And she says the same thing. You know, I he's hiding. And then you see his hat yeah. in the water. I didn't even yep. think about that to this moment. And I was like, oh, so he's under the yep. water it, right now. It, <laughs> it, it makes sense because he sees her right there on the dock. So, yeah. So that's, oh, my God. So that's it's interesting that that happens. But, okay, but her face is already starting to transform, too. Yes, it At is. At this point, she's getting really scabby, weird face. And I think I it's, thought... is this the point where she goes back and watches that tape after she dumps him? Their wedding video one I more be- time? I believe so, because she goes back to watch that quite a bit. But at the very end here, I feel like before we get to the very, very end, that she go after, after she hides him, quote unquote, she goes back. But I feel like she's watching it because... She knows her time is about to be up, so she's trying to remember one last time. Yeah, something. I think that's probably uh, what they were trying to go for for that. But again, that goes to that same thing where we never clear about her relationship with the worm creature, alien creature. Right. So we never really are sure what that is. <laughs> so, but it feels like that's what she's doing, like trying to watch it so she can have her last memory of herself be that. That's what I feel like. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think that's what they're trying to kind of uh, kind of allude to on that. And I will also say, I think it's a pretty cool effect of what they do. Because we end up seeing that Annie shows up here as well as these like dark figures at this point. When, uh, to kind of you know end everything out. Yeah, and we get that light flash and then that's it, right? We get, So, I, I just feel like we if we could have just... I say I feel like I say this often, <laughs> and I feel like if we could just get just two minutes, two minutes here, two minutes there, of anything about this town, anything that could have given us some kind of evil history or uh, pick up a newspaper, missing people, like any anything like that. I feel like I, w- I wanted something like that at the end just to let me know, because I feel like. Everybody in this town's been taken already, but I don't know what you become after the worm is out. I don't know what you become after that, and that's never... Do you become a shadow? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting that another, like, take they could have done would have been to have the last image be the, like, summer people showing up. That would have been cool, too. Because, like, we do know that it's you know, spring still, so that way, like, a lot of these people haven't shown up to their cabins yet, so there's very limited people that are there, so, like, it could have been an unnerving type thing to see 
like a couple cars showing up to their place and like these people kind of looking over or something along those lines just to kind of let you know that like these are the first two that this has happened to. Or maybe show her giving birth to something or drop an egg so we know that when the people come it's going to be more to come or something. I, I mean, yeah, anything like that. I just really didn't understand this town. And if there's a restaurant but nobody lives in the town, why is there a restaurant if nobody lives there? And there's nobody there except for a certain season. Right. Why would it be open? Like, that was something that was weird to me. I thought, like, so was there people here and they're all dead and that's what's happening? Or, And even with with Will and Annie's relationship, knowing that what we know now, it's kind of makes sense. And he will become suspicious of her because she's doing all this weird stuff and not remembering. So it makes sense that he would be watching her for the camera, but it's still convenient that, that Paul would find the footage. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really is. And I mean, it all makes sense in the end. Like, his, we're thinking at first, like we had said, is that this could be domestic violence here, but we really see that he's concerned for her and he doesn't really want anybody else around because he knows that there's something off about her. Yeah. But, I mean, for what it was worth, man, I mean, I feel like we got some, some really good acting in the movie. I just For wasn't, sure. I wasn't a hundred percent satisfied with the story. No, and that's what we had talked about pregame. Is that that's kind of how I felt. Is that how they end up, you know, disposing of Paul, and then the ending. I, I wanted something more. I don't necessarily know what, but I just kind of feel like it left a little bit empty for how like things were set up prior to that. Yeah, I'm with you, man, for sure. All right, man, so you want to go ahead and jump into our reviews of it? Yeah. Or do you have anything else you want to get into before we get... I was going to say, I don't think I really have anything else that I wanted to kind of share. Some of my, like, I'll bring up some of the themes again once we get to, like, the story and plot and everything, but I don't really think I need anything that I needed to kind of delve into that we haven't already. And I do think, um, I don't know if I did mention it now about the invasion of the... I think I didn't because I didn't want to give everything away earlier. But she yeah. mentions in the interview that she wanted to make a grounded uh, body snatchers type movie. And, I mean, this is that. It's very grounded in what they did to with the horror on it. Because it's very realistic that you would, this, this situation could happen. Not the... For sure. Not, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it's realistic, the body snatcher part of it. But I mean, like, as far as how they set everything up. But, I mean, I will say that. is that it is a more grounded in reality type thing, though. For that type of story here where we're not having they're not gonna I, I mean I haven't seen the one from the 50s or from the 70s but I mean I do feel like this movie is grounded in reality where I don't have to suspend disbelief too much yeah no I mean not really and they and they do a really good job until the very last what like 20 minutes maybe or 15 minutes yeah. you don't really know until we get that bedroom scene we really don't 100% know what we're exactly. dealing with. And even after that, we, we're, we're still probably about 80% of what we know. But that's still right. more than we knew the rest of the movie. So, I, But I really, I mean, anything could have happened and I would have been like, not not knowing this what was going to happen. So that's yeah. that's a good story when you can, I mean, a decent story, but you got to end it though. You got to land it. Agreed. You can, you can fly, you can fly and turn the plane upside down uh, Denzel style, but you got to land it. <laughs> So I don't. You can do all the turns you want. I'll give you credit for it if you land the plane. 
Okay, so, all right, man, so you want to let me go first or you want to go first? Um, I can go first. I think I had you go first the last time. So the first thing here is we do these out of five, right? Yeah, out of five. Okay, that's what I thought. Just making sure. Um, so the first thing here would be the acting where – I was actually really impressed with our two leads and how well they interact with each other. I think, I know some of this is probably writing, but some of the things that they can convey through some of the things that they say, as well as some of these subtle things that they do, that I actually have the acting here as a four. And I know like the other people are kind of there on a limited basis, but they really do kind of help with even their little subtle things to push these two characters to where they end up for me. Okay, man. So we're we're in the same boat then, because I'm going to be at a four on my acting as well. Um, I mentioned it a couple times during the podcast, but I was really I really did like the not just the regular acting, but just the physical acting where you could see a look or you could see a mood change without words. Like like that takes it to another level for me when you can actually deliver the lines, but also you can deliver the emotion just from your actual. Like they really embodied the characters. I feel like all the time when Paul when Paul's doing stuff, I'm like, yes, that's how you would feel. Yes, that's what would happen. Even with with uh, B too, I feel the same way. Like the way they're setting them up with that friction uh, against each other by, by not knowing things. Like the way they set it up, they they pull it off really well. So I had to give it a four too, man. If I I mean, I thought about four point five, man, but I, I went four. I thought that was fair because. I, that's, that's that's fair. <laughs> I'm gonna say that, man. That's fair, because I don't yeah, give too no, many fours out, so that's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so the next thing would be then the cinematography and the effects. Now, there's not really a whole lot in the way of effects, but I really did like the creature that is pulled out of B, and then I also like the look that they did for her and Annie at the end with like their skin kind of having this weird, like web like look to it. And then like the color or the contacts they have for their eyes. And outside of that, I think they do some really interesting things with the cinematography. And I mean, I know it's kind of a cheap effect, but even the light being shined in through the window is pretty creepy. Now I'm also going to have to go with something that I'll like the next category that I'll, I'll kind of circle back to that. But so I end up coming in here with, I was kind of hovering between like a 3.5 and a 4 here. I'm probably going to end up going 4 just because I don't have any issues with the cinematography and the effects that we do get, I thought looked really good. Man, that's crazy, man. We're on the same page today, man, because I made a 4 on my cinematography as well. I thought they shot the film. I thought it was shot very well. She talked about her DP a lot. Um, okay. Not a lot, but more more like in a joking way because she was talking about how he was upset with the limited amount of space they had to work with in the cabin. But uh, uh, which that. makes sense, and when you look at the way it's shot, you could tell that some of the shots were out of that's the only way we can do it. Which I've I've seen people doing that, and I've I've been in those kind of shoes, so I know yeah. that space being limited with your space and how you can do stuff is a pain in the butt. But I feel like okay. they did a really good job with the cinematography for this being you know a really uh, smaller budget film. Like I yeah, I mean I, I don't know if it was what was the movie was it. Starry Eyes? No. What was the first one we did? It felt uh, not uh, as um, tuned in on cinematography as that one. Yeah. But it was um, really good that cinematography. Super it was really Dark solid. Times was the first one. Super Dark Times, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one. I think the cinematography on that one is still 
just slightly better than this movie, but but I feel like the cinematography was really good as far okay. as just how they frame shots. Um, like you say with the effects, the effects were not, we didn't get a lot of effects, but we got subtle effects throughout with like little blood stuff, little, yeah. little sticky stuff, like everything, the little stuff they did, they did everything kind of, they kept everything low key. And then, you know, the biggest effect was the worm, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe the face of being the lady, but the worm probably is the biggest effect. And it was realistic enough for me. So, um, I'm gonna give it a four, man. I'm, it's. I think I think they did a great job of what they had to work with, and I think they they did better than some movies that have a lot more of a budget with that with that exactly. kind of stuff. Yep. And I mean, something I wanted to say actually that I didn't even think about until you brought it up. Um, having that limited space, I do think kind of makes some of those scenes a little bit more intimate with yeah. how close we are to the characters. So like, I didn't even think about it till you brought it up, but that does seem to work in its favor. And you know what? I didn't think think about it. But thinking about it right now, I feel like they do that thing that, that that is great to do where you zoom in throughout the movie and we get tighter and tighter on the characters as we go throughout the movie too. Oh, yeah. Especially Paul. There's a lot of shots where we're really tight on him and it's really kind of uncomfortable because he's uncomfortable. Right. And I think they do a good job with those kind of shots too. Really helping you feel the, uh, the emotion. That may be oh, no, what I, helps yep. sell because the actors really sell it and if you really frame it and show it the right way. I mean, I mean, I really bought their emotion, the whole movie. Yep, I'm right there with you. Mm -hmm. All right, well, then the next thing would be the music, where, for the most part, I don't remember a whole lot of it. didn't really stick out to me. The big thing for me that I'm going to give it a bump to is that I love the humming that goes along with the light that we get, as that kind of helps where... It has that almost electrical sound to it at times, which makes a whole lot of sense that it does affect the lights and everything like that. And I mean, it gave me my initial thoughts like, oh, this is probably aliens if you're having that type of sound. So I gave it a slight bump just because of that. So I end up, again, hovering like, if it hadn't been for the homie, I probably would have just gave it a 2.5. I'm going to give it just a 3, though, just because I think that works so well to couple with that light that they're using. Man, I think you're cheating off my paper. <laughs> I got a three on this as well. Um, yeah, man, I didn't nothing. I, I did like the humming you're talking about. That that kind of effect was cool. I wonder if they yep. borrowed it from her boyfriend on Stranger Things. I wonder because it, awesome. it felt kind of like something that would be in there. And also, it felt like something because I've been watching a lot of. Do you know who uh, Panos Cosmatos is? Yes, I yep. watched a couple of his movies recently. I had never okay. watched uh, his other movie, The Rain. Beyond the Black Rainbow or something. I have not seen that one yet either. It that's is. Been on my list. Have you seen Mandy? I have seen Mandy. It's it's just as trippy as Mandy. Okay. And it's just take at some point it just jumps into gear like Mandy as well. It's weird. Okay. But I mean visually it's really weird. So anyways, some of the stuff in this so that sound effect also reminded me of something in that movie I just watched. Where okay. there's there's a weird scene where they do a humming like that. So. Yeah. But I like that a lot. But. Besides that, yeah, I'm with you, man. Nothing else. So I'm gonna give him a three because some of the sound effects were okay, like the squishes and ooey and the the goo and all that stuff was kind of okay. So I mean, Foley was was okay. So I'm gonna give him I'm gonna give him the three is the best I can do as well. Okay. And then for me, for the story and plot, now this is kind of an interesting one here. If 
they didn't have the social commentary in here of like not necessarily knowing your significant other and you know having like how marriage can change relationships and how there's even here at the end of it a little bit of a commentary on at first we think it's a rape that like a person on person but because we have this where she's been violated by a creature I would have probably came in at a three, but because of having all this social commentary where I can kind of pull things out and can kind of delve into that, I end up coming in on a four with it just because I thought that adds such a depth to the story for me that I had to go, you know, with that one point bump there to a four. Okay, so we finally reach our differing point here. Finally. Okay, so for the plot for me, man, I'm going to be at a three. Okay. Now, I, I kind of went between a three and a 3.5 is where I was looking at. Yep. Um, because I really do like, like the themes they use and how they actually, they were really effective in, in playing the themes out. Uh, I like the idea of a grounded body snatchers. I like the idea of us not really knowing what's going on to the very final part of the movie. I like that because it yep. keeps you guessing. It keeps you attentive to what's going on in every scene. So I was really into it. It's just, Whenever we get these movies where we get to the end and we just really don't know and we don't have an idea, like, I don't know. I I need, I need some, I need a line. Throw me a line. There's so much fishing in this movie. Throw, throw me a couple lines, put some worms and frogs on and throw it to me because I need to know (laughs) just, just like I said, two minutes, give me two minutes of exposition from some, from Annie, from will find a new give me something that really just just really completes this loop for me because i feel like i was right there and i was almost at the finish line and then just everything i just i just don't know i just couldn't i couldn't come to closure so i'm gonna give it a three two minutes here and there give me a total of six minutes to the running time maybe five of exposition and i could have easily gave it a four easily Maybe depending what they what they gave me in those minutes, but I'm gonna be at a three, man. That's the best I can no, do. That, no, I completely. I'm you know not too far off of there. It's really only kind of you know my personal preference and type of stuff that kind of gives me that bump. But I am right there with you where I probably would have went you know even higher if they would have you know not left me feeling a little bit empty at the end of it. So I completely understand. Yeah. Now I mean. I'll give them because killing Paul was something I didn't see coming. Not yeah. not not the way they kill him. I, right. They they kind of lead up to it the whole movie that he has to face this fear that they never mentioned that is a fear, but it is a fear. Subconsciously, right. they they're showing us the whole movie. So I think that's cool. But I mean, I think she did a good job with the writing. Her and I think she co-wrote it with somebody, right? The Phil whoever guy. Yeah. I think they did a good job writing it and setting up these themes. And doing it on a on a small budget, I think they did a good job with that. It's right. just you gotta you got. I, I think, and they talked about this um, in the interview. They talked about how I think the interviewer interviewer said this that how sometimes when you're trying to get a movie made, you lose sight of the story, and you're wow. focused on trying to get it made. Okay. So then you stop answering some questions and you just focus on the stuff that you know you have to do to get it made so maybe that's what happened and they had the story but maybe they were like well your budget is this and we can't do that so 
you got to find a way around it. So maybe that's the deal, and that's why. Because the, the writing so. is good enough to where I, I think they could have found a grounded way to add those things in there, but for some reason, maybe maybe it was out of their hands. Maybe the person in charge said no. I don't know. Because I don't... Yeah. I feel like she, she told me in the interview that she had final say on a lot of stuff, but... I don't know if she said she had final cut or not. I don't know if that was the case or not. Mm. Where she got the call, make that final call. I don't know. So that could be why, or they could have just said, uh, you don't need to know. And some people do that, and I'm okay with that sometimes. Yeah. But this was just a little too vague for me. No, I completely, under, I'm, I completely understand where you're coming from. All right. Oh, we didn't do the last one yet. Sorry. <laughs> we still got one more. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Uh, yeah, so for me... I, from my experience, I, you know, came in, no expectations, didn't know a whole lot about it, just knew the title, and one of the things that I kind of am a stickler on is if I can guess your movie, you know, early on, that can usually be an issue for me, but because of this movie, I thought it was so well written, and I liked that they gave me, you know, some curveballs that threw me off what I was thinking, even though in the end I was like, okay, I was right on it, having all the other stuff in there, you know, with the acting and all the kind of like cinematography and some of the commentary that I end up liking, I end up really enjoying this experience with the movie. I don't know if this would hold up too well after, you know, too many viewings, but I still came in with a four on this one as well for my experience. Oh, wow. So, okay, so we're back on track again, man, because I got a four on this one as well. Um, I think, and we kind of talked about it, you know, throughout the movie, but I think they do a really good job with, you know, that early kind of exposition dump on the ride over and then yep. kind of setting up the relationship and then keeping the mystery alive. So I feel like they do a great job of all that. And I'm always interested, always kind of engaged with what's going on on screen. So yep. um, four is a solid four for me. Again, man, if they could have wrapped it up, man, at the end, if they I mean, if, if they could have caught the touchdown, they could have made the shot, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> if they yep. could have just, just secured that last... That last one, man, it, it could have been higher than that, honestly, for me. Because I was really hoping when we got to that, when we saw that worm, I was like, oh, man, we finna, it's going to really go down now. Yep. And no, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but solid four, man. It's, it's a great experience. Solid four. For sure. Just some people may, may not like how it ends, though. I can see that, yeah. yeah. I am right there with you. I feel I like the scores people... that are that you that you gave earlier are indicative of people not liking the ending. Not not the actual movie and acting, but just the actual right. how it ends. That's what I think. Cause the scores seem kinda low, but I feel like people were with it to that ending. Right. So I, I think you're on to something there for sure. Yeah, because I was like, Man, this is a really good movie. Why is it so lowly rare? I don't, I thought that myself. Because I was looking at the IMDb, and I was like, why is it five? That seems low. Okay. So, okay, man. But, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. All right. And then for, you know, kind of an overall thing here, I've already kind of went through everything. This is a movie that when I kind of do, like, my score for it, it was around, like, uh, like for me on my rating scale, it would end up being, like, a 7.5. So, like, 75% type area. I would probably lean with my enjoyment of not expecting some of the things at probably like a 7.75. So like just for, you know, having enjoyed that stuff, I end up giving this like an eight out of 10 or like an 80% for me would be where my final rating would come at this first initial viewing for myself. 
again, I feel like another viewing, I might end up coming down now that I have, you know, not to, I guess to kind of excuse the pun, after that honeymoon phase of <laughs> not knowing what the reveals are and everything. But at this time, I would be an 8 out of 10. That was nice. That was a nice one. I liked it. <laughs> okay, man, so... Uh, I don't have any cool puns, but I'm gonna be at about a <laughs> I'm gonna be at about a seventy two percent. I'm just a little bit lower than you, but I felt like it was a it was a nice experience. I would definitely recommend it to people to at least check yep, out because I feel like your first watch is probably gonna be the the best watch for you because well you know what I watched it I skimmed it the second time and yep. I did notice a lot of the thematic elements more the second mm-hmm. time because I knew what what was going on more so you could kind of see it but i don't feel like after that you would get more this isn't a film that gets better every time you watch it i don't think agreed so i definitely agree there so i would definitely recommend it um but i think that ending is going to be tough for a lot of people yeah. i'd recommend it because i think it's a it's a nice trip and you get a nice experience the whole way through but that ending is going to really turn some people off i think I'm with you. I don't think this movie, everybody's probably not going to enjoy it. I do think if you like some of the things, though, there is something to kind of enjoy here. And there's enough, there's enough, I would say, in like 80% of the movie that was good. It's just, what we've been saying is going back is that it doesn't necessarily stick the ending as well as I like. I would be interested, and this is this is just, just, just me, I would be interested because we were talking about the... Uh, how tasteful like a lot of the scenes were done sexually i would be interested to see if women like this movie like i don't like we don't really know that breakdown you oh know yeah. What I mean? yeah so i wonder that's something i'm always curious about because as a as a as a, a black american in the u.s when i see a movie that's made by a, a, a person of color and i see that they understand things that i understand culturally yeah like it, it it's it makes it better experience for me. So I wonder as a as a woman gender wise, would would they? And this is just something I wonder if they would connect more, because I feel like she's really coming at it in a different way than a male director would. So I wonder if they would pick up on things that as a gender that they would. You know what I'm saying? No, I. It's actually interesting you brought that up because we've been talking you know offline about how. In February, I tend to watch a lot of like black exploitation films, and you know, as being a white male, it's interesting for me to see films, especially when there is a black director, because it's a different experience than things that I've grown up with, or different things that like I don't necessarily have in you know my culture, and it's kind of an interesting look when you can get that different perspective. So I'm with you. I would like to, I might end up at some point having my fiance and I watch this together mm-hmm. just to kind of see if there's things that I don't pick up on, you know, being a male that yeah. she might pick up. Cause on. that's something I wondered. I wondered if there were things that were happening that, that weren't on my radar either from that same yeah. perspective. So that's always interesting to me. I, I think about weird stuff sometimes when I'm thinking <laughs> about movies. And that's one thing I always wonder, like how, because, like, like you said it, you said it yourself, man. Like, most of the movies I grew up with as a kid were mostly mm-hmm. white directors, yeah, and mostly male directors. I don't think growing up, I saw a ton of female directed movies, and I don't think I saw very many uh, directed by by like people of color. There are some yeah. out there for sure, but oh, yeah. in general, that wasn't the case. So, the experience, and I think some of the presets we have in our mind from some of those older movies 
are all part of that whole same kind of thing. So, I mean, getting getting more people behind the camera of different uh, cultural backgrounds or genders or whatever, it's, it's, it's what's best for everybody. I know people... Another thing that people agree. really hate is the like the superhero stuff where people change the races. But when we're talking about just character pieces and we're talking about relationships and we're talking about just everyday life movies, I think that it's really important because you, you can really learn some things also that you may not know. 100%. Yep. And I think that's that's not a bad way to go. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm interested <laughs> I, in that. But I mean, even kind of playing off of that, like as you were saying that, I had watched the documentary uh, Horror Noir, which is... It's oh, that's a, that's a great like, documentary. It's really good. Exactly. That got me turned on to it. And then I ended up watching, a couple years ago, there's a documentary about uh, the director Larry Cohen, mm-hmm. and he had done a lot of black exploitation films as a white director, just like a director for hire type thing. Mm-hmm. And watching both of those is just an interesting like eye-opener, because... I mean, my preconceived notions coming into, like, black exploitation, which, I mean, doesn't really have anything to do with the movie we just watched, but, like, kind of what we've been talking about is that, like, I always took it as, like, oh, these are, like, parody films that are making fun of people, and it took me to watch both those documentaries to realize, no, this was them having their chance to have, you know, these people they never saw in these type of movies having their chance with it. Yeah, some of them did come off whimsical at times, Mm -hmm. but a lot of that was trying to get more white audiences in there because if it was too serious they probably wouldn't and i mean it all comes down to being a business yeah and it's it's really interesting because um that's something i've been watching a lot of black exploitation movies mm-hmm. and um it's interesting when you see the different directors takes yeah on on a black exploitation movie and it's yep. funny you brought up uh, larry cohen Mm-hmm. Because I watched one of his movies called Bone. I don't know if they talked about that in the documentary or not. They did. Yep. But it's a really interesting movie, and it is a black exploitation movie, kind of, but kind of not. Okay. It's it's a really weird, but it's interesting when you see the different styles, like like how how black exploitation is perceived by different races, versus different levels of uh, skill behind the camera and writing. It's it's it. There's such a a variety of <laughs> from really really awful, really really good, really cool story, but badly shot. Really cool shot, cool scenes, but not a great. It, it, the variety of the kind of movies you come into is is incredible. But I think breaking it down, like we were saying, like it's it's interesting to go back and look at some of those things and those documentaries really help open your eyes to some of the stuff you didn't know. One hundred percent. All right, man. Well, anything else you want to add to it? We kind of tangent off at the end, but I think that was an interesting conversation, though. I think so, too. I think it's one of those things where if we don't actually, you know, kind of bring it up, like, kind of the experiences that we watch in, like, these different types of things, like, we might not ever have a chance to kind of bring it up. So, like, yeah, I definitely think it's an interesting tangent, especially because, I mean, you know, being February is both Black History Month as well as, like, Women's History Month mm-hmm. is it does kind of all tie back in, you know, for February at least. So yeah, so but I mean, I, so that, that, that's that we a good time to have that conversation, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. All right, man. Well, nope. I don't have anything else to add to this movie. Uh, yeah. I check it out. Is the last thing I have on that one. If I you agree. hadn't seen, same here. It. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say that as well. All right, man. Well, I guess we can go ahead and close this one out. All right. Well, I will say is that, you know, thank you so much for, you know, listening to this. And 
I'd be kind of interested if anybody has seen this to kind of reach out to one of us with kind of any of your type of feedback, what you thought about it. Like, did you agree, disagree with us here? But I definitely would agree with Jake here in saying that this is one that you should give it a viewing at least once. Not everybody will like it, but it's definitely worth that viewing in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. And hey, contact us. Let us know what you think. I will argue any movie, talk any movie with you. <laughs> I promise. You can find me on multiple Facebook groups debating multiple movies with different people of different genres. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. So get, contact me if you want to. I'll talk to you about it. And if you're not, you definitely should be You know, listening to Jake's show. Definitely a good listen, I would say, from like the ones that I've definitely jumped into and checked out is... Definitely a good time. And, and talking about um, podcasts, I just dropped a new episode uh, for Black Exploitation. So check that out. It's got two episodes, two uh, movies in that episode. So And I, what I'm doing on that podcast is really giving uh, you a background so you don't have to watch all the bad Black Exploitation movies. I let you know which ones are really worth the watch and which ones aren't. Because there's, like I said earlier, there's a variety of them. And you really need to know what you're jumping into. Unless you're just somebody who really wants to just have fun. But if you're somebody right. that will watch a bad movie and be done with it, then uh, I'll let you know what to check out. Hey, Dave, before we go to anything else you want to promote, man? Journey um, with a Cinephile or anything else you got going you want to promote, man? Uh, yep, I'm kind of sticking with it. I've been, you know, keep pumping out like once a week with, you know, my mini reviews of everything I've watched that week. As well as I kind of try to stick with different themes where all of February has been where I've done two episodes where I'll have either a predominantly black cast or i will do a black exploitation film and then i've also done two episodes where it has been women directors where this episode that i'm going to be having the most recent episode to come out was i paired up eve's bayou which not necessarily a horror film but i definitely wanted to you know give some credit to oh, Cassie i, love, I there. love that movie i love that movie it's the first time watch for me which was definitely an interesting movie there especially with being you know like new orleans type area did that with hey, having that gothic vibe did that play into some of the things we're talking about now as a woman director i feel like she kind of did the same thing in that movie where she touched on things that, as a as a male, that I don't think it would have been the same way. Oh, no, for sure. Like, especially because that the, you know, male character in there that is uh, Samuel L. Jackson is, you know, kind of doing his own thing where the women really kind of rule that world that we're seeing there. So it mm -hmm. definitely does kind of fall into that. And then I paired that movie up with a 2021 watch of, I watched St. Maud, which okay. I had been wanting to see for a long time, which is also interesting because that was directed by a woman as well. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of um, female, strong female characters in all in the, both of those movies. Yeah. I just think that the times have changed, man. We, we know for, for a sure. fact that women can direct, people of color can direct, white people can direct, anybody can direct. So give they people a chance to tell a story. They just need the opportunity. So yeah, man, my guy Dave is a machine. If you, I dare you, <laughs> I dare anybody out there in the world, internet world, to go against my guy David and the amount of reviews he puts out a week. If you do, that's all you do for it. That's all you do is do reviews. If, you, <laughs> if you're putting out more than this guy, because this guy is is killing it. He's a machine. So check out everything related to Journey with a Cinephile and anything else this guy is related to. Check it out as soon as possible. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're a beast, man. You're always on it. <laughs> All 
All right, well, that's all I really had to. So uh, for my end here, I hope, you know, everybody that's listening, I hope you, whatever you do today, you have a great time doing it and you're safe out there. And this is your man, Jake, signing out. And don't forget, be one of us. Come on a journey with a cinephile. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. SideQuest. I think cinephiles are, are on this other end of the spectrum. But I think a cinephile is more of a student of cinema. A movie lover is going to be less discriminating. SideQuest. Drink some of this, Michael. Be one of us. Sometimes, that is better. I'm sick of fucks using one too many movies. No. Don't you blame the movie! SideQuest. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. Okay. Show me. SideQuest. The podcast. You opened it. We came. It's just a podcast. We'll review your movie from every angle. SideQuest. <laughs>